right, my name is uh, Franklin Bennett. I'm just going to get started this morning. Uh, I'm on the Freedom Prayer team here. Uh, for the past year and a half, Andy asked I would share my testimony. Uh, so I wrote down kind of a stream of consciousness about it. So this might be kind of disjointed, but um, just going to share a few things. I went through the training a year and a half ago, as I said, and then been a part of a part of some other trainings uh, around Nashville and other places. Um, and really, uh, I just am just passionate about this ministry. So thankful to God to to be able to come in contact with it. That's here at Otter Creek. Um, I can't overstate the impact it's had on me and my family. Um, I'm reminded often of how fast my time with my kids is, and how fast they're growing up. I've got two little girls that are eight and six now, and. Uh, Getting involved in this ministry just made me realize I've got to get myself freed up so I can be the father that they need, so I can be the husband to my wife uh, that she needs. Um, and that ministry, I feel like it's doing that in my life. And it's also just comforting to know that you know, when I have struggles or when I have something that's lingering on me, that there's a group of people in a place that I can go to and, and deal with that before God and encounter God with a few others in a prayer prayer session. It's just kind of a comfort to know that that's there in a way that I don't have to let that sit on me. I can, I can sign for a session. I can have a free prayer session knowing that God's going to be there and we're going to work through that. Um, I grew up at OC. Um, my wife and I got married, went to another church for eight years or so, then came back and been back here probably six or seven years. Um, growing up here, you know, I love, love my childhood here, love growing up here, love the youth group here. Getting into adulthood, you know, felt like I was a Christian. I probably you know, strayed for a while. Um, but something, as I've kind of rededicated my life, I guess, as an adult to God, um, felt like confession was something that was lacking in maybe our, our faith, our, our body of people. Didn't know how to do that. We talked to friends about it. We didn't know really how to, how, how to help each other. Um, and so Freedom Prayer is a place where there's an avenue for that. I, mean, I talked to, talk to friends who... We would say, that, you know, I thought about going to a Catholic church just to get with a priest and just confess, but I don't really want to do what he's going to tell me to do afterwards. You know, I'm not sure I have to do all that stuff that he says to do, but just that kind of level of not knowing, you know, what to do with what was on our hearts. And so it's neat that freedom, that freedom prayer confession is one place you can go, go and do that um, through this ministry. But there's also so much more that's involved in that. Um, my freedom prayer session that I did... Um, focused on some of the things from my past that I thought I had, you know, moved on from, confessed, but just gave me new freedom and a new way. Um, with renouncing some soul ties and receiving God's truth in those places um, was just very freeing for me. My prayer life has changed dramatically because of this ministry. Um, when I have my prayer time, I still talk to God, still make requests a lot, but also ask Him questions and try to sit and listen and, and hear maybe what he's telling me. It's affected my family's prayer life as well. We, we try to incorporate this in our time together. We pray with each other, with our girls. Um, you have quiet time. We ask questions. You just sit and listen. And um, My daughter the other night, just out of the blue kind of dinner, said, when I go into my room after y'all put me to bed, I ask God to talk to me, but I don't hear him. And that kind of hit my heart. And I, was, I just said, you know, I don't... I haven't ever heard the audible voice of God. I think there's people who have. I've never heard the audible voice of God. But, you know, Lord, I just try to sense what I think he's telling me. And it might be an image, might be a sense, might be a picture. Um, but just, you know, keep trying. You can tell God that. You can tell God, I don't hear you. you know, he, he wants to listen to you. He wants to talk to you. So just that her little heart is, is trying to be shaped in that way. 
um, is, is special to me. We've had times where my um, wife's grandmother passed away, and she was with her family somewhere. I had the girls at home for some reason, but we were just praying and asked. We together asked God, you know, what He wants to know about this time. We're kind of sad reading through the, the picture storybook Bible, which really felt God's presence with us. And we asked God that question: What do you want us to know about where Dreer, where Dreer, which she called her grandmother, is now? And paused for a second, listened. And then I just asked my daughter, you know, did you, my older daughter, did you sense anything? And she said, I sensed uh, Dreer in a field holding hands with Jesus. And I almost took my breath away because it was the exact same thing that I had, I had pictured. My, reads grandmother in a field holding hands with Jesus. So just neat things like that, experiences like that. Um, I've heard Scott Broadway pray and, and, and in a prayer thank God with our Freedom Prayer team. Thank God for being able to be a part of this ministry. Just how humbling it is um, to be able to be a part of this ministry. Um, and really, there's nothing I'd rather be, be doing than sitting in a, in a freedom prayer ministry with someone, listening to them encounter God, helping them hear from God. Uh, it really is, um, you know, my favorite thing to do. Uh, hear them speak in, in a, into a, a part of their life or from the, something from their past, speak directly into what they need to hear. Uh, just amazing to watch as God kind of pulls back the curtain on what they need to know in that session. Uh, just really incredible. When I first started describing freedom prayer to friends and people, I felt like, as it was coming out of my mouth, it sounds like I'm trying to convince them to join the Boston movement or some you know, mystical cult. Um, but it was just so powerful. I just didn't have the words to share it the way I wanted to. But I just wanted everybody to experience it. Um, and then finally, just the ways that the, this ministry uh, can work, the ways it's working around Nashville. I got... I uh, was fortunate enough to be invited to, to go to a hotel on Murfreesboro Road on Thursday night, Hotel Casa Linda. And uh, Corey Barnett, who's the Jen's husband who spoke last week, was taking some guys from Ethos down there and wanted to know if I would come. And uh, Hotel Casa Linda, it's like a hotel slash apartment, kind of a long-term stay place, but it's, um, they don't ask you many questions to stay there. There's no kind of background check. And so you can imagine where it is, the type of people who who have to have this kind of hotel to stay there. Um, and so there's an anti-sex trafficking group, another group who meet down there on Thursday nights and serve a meal in the lobby of this hotel. It used to be a Metro PCS cell phone store right there when they, they set up a grill and grill and had a line and they serve food to the residents of this hotel that want to come and get a free meal. Uh, there's a Bible study there with, with the men for 30 minutes beforehand and then they just kind of sit around and talk afterwards. Um, and so I got to go there on Thursday and, and serve uh, on the line. And here, Jim's husband, Corey, explain to some of the leaders who are, who are doing this service what freedom prayer could look like uh, during this time. And um, they introduced freedom prayer, kind of what it was, what it could be as far as you know, pulling somebody aside that wanted to have a real quick kind of session and um, let God speak freedom to them. And I was really nervous all day about going there, um, you know, that part of town, being in that place, is way out of my comfort zone. As we were leaving, and it was a thought that I had had something similar, but Corey said, like Jesus was telling him, you know, you can stay in the church, that's fine, be there, but I'm going to be down here on Thursday nights, and if you want to come join me, I'm going to do some pretty cool stuff. Um, so it's up to you. Um, and so just these people that are there, that have been cast aside by society, God hasn't forgotten about. He still has a plan for their life. I'm just excited about the way that freedom prayer could work in those small sessions of getting those people out of a life that they think they're stuck in um, and just seeing them the way that God sees them. So that's just another way this ministry will hopefully reach. I just love the way that freedom prayer connects 
uh, people as they pray together, and then connects us to God. And it just feels like what church is supposed to look like. So just my kind of my testimony there. Thanks. Pimpe, have a question? A really hard one. How did the people, did many people participate in the Freedom Prayer opportunities in the, at that hotel? Well, it's just getting started. So Corey um, invited us to go down there, and he was presenting it to the leaders who are offering the meal every week. So they were open to, you know, after the meal, explain to them what Freedom Prayer is and let them kind of, if they want to, one at a time. It was in the lobby in the winter. In the summer, there's a courtyard where they meet, and I think more of them come to that courtyard. And so I think he just envisions, you know, as you're forming relationships, pull them off to the side. You know, would you like to pray about that? And gotcha. you know, small little sessions like that. Two things. Uh, you may have mentioned it, and I was talking to myself. <laughs> what was your motivation to go to Freedom Prayer originally yourself? What was that thought process, decision making process? That's one question. The other one is that we we've heard, I've heard soul ties mentioned two weeks in a row. I'm assuming a soul tie is some type of relationship you may have had in the past, mm-hmm. um, some level of intimacy, whether it's emotional or whatever. Is that, answer those in either way. Yeah. So through the training here at Otter Creek a year and a half ago, uh, was kind of required to do <laughs> to do a session, but but felt the need through the training. Uh, but those of us who want to be on the team, you know, you kind of expect to sign up for your time. Um, but then sitting through, I don't know how many sessions I've done since then, 20, 25, I don't know, maybe up to 50. Um, it's just so amazing when someone, you can tell that someone is connecting with God and God's speaking directly to that thing in their life they need to get rid of or that they need to move on from or that they're believing falsely and the emotion that comes with that and the weight that's lifted um, is just incredible to watch. For me, um, yeah, it was relationships in the past that I gave part of myself that I shouldn't have uh, in my younger years. Um, and kind of giving that back to the person before God, um, washing what, what I gave to them, what they gave to me in the blood of Jesus, and renouncing that tie with them, breaking it off, um, and accepting what Jesus wanted to give me in that place where I, was, where I still had that on me. Does that help at all? Amen. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. I have a question. Oh, yeah. Sorry. For anybody who wasn't in this class before when I've asked you this, one of our, our oldest son, had the, we had the privilege of him sitting under Franklin's authority as a soccer coach and also as a teacher. Um, but I would ask Ben about practice, and one time he said, blah, 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 and back stretches. And I was like, well, what's a back stretch? What does that look like? And, and so will you explain Yeah, that and that's funny you asked that because I didn't write I, that down. But I, like, just, I love it because it's a, you're, you're using this also. Mm-hmm. To teach kids how to connect. Yeah, and I thought about that during service, and I wanted to say that, so thank you for asking that. <laughs> but, um, so just yeah, I'm trying as a teacher, trying to incorporate aspects of this when I can in my classroom or in my the teams that I coach. And so in soccer, middle school soccer, um, we have our stretching time in a circle, and then uh, we have back stretch, and they just lay in the grass on the ground and just lay back. And kind of what Jen did last week that I've been with, heard her do several times of drawing near to God. Uh, that's kind of where we start and kind of for, for a few weeks do that, just draw near and kind of ask God to show us what it looks like to be near to Him. Uh, and then asking them, even as they're laying there with their eyes closed, did anybody get a, kind of a picture of what that might, that might look like? And, you know, half of them raising their hands that, yeah, I've got a, kind of an idea of what being with close to God might look like. 
and different weeks, different days of practice asking, you know, is there anything in my life uh, that's keeping me from being close to you, God? Or I don't want to keep lusting, Father. Can I give that to you? And asking him what he says back to that, what he wants to give to them um, in the place where they gave that to him. And so just kind of introducing that to them covertly um, uh, as we have practice each day. Um, This class is about three things. Um, One of those is uh, here, which we've been talking about. So Romans in 30 seconds, Romans 1, the world's a mess. Romans 2, sorry, you don't gloat. Romans 3, I paid off all your past debt. Romans 4, this is about faith. It'll always be about faith. Romans 5, I pay off your monthly note. Romans 6, I put you in witness protection. Satan can't find you. Romans 7, the law can't find you either. Your name is now not on the post office wall, and you don't have to feel guilty about sin. Romans 7b, and you're not crazy, right? Paul said, wait, if I do the thing I don't want to do, then maybe I'm not the one to. Wait a minute. There's something in me that wants to sin, but I don't. I'm not crazy, right? You're not crazy. And then... And then with all of that, then Paul says, okay, all of that is past tense. Romans 8 is, there is therefore, because of everything that, that forgave you, freed you, defined you, set, hid you, your life is hid with Christ and God. Because of all those things, then Paul says, you should, these are the three steps that you should be taking now. And every one of those three steps isn't memorize scripture, shape up, try harder, uh, do a morning Bible study. All of those things might be good uh, external things. They, they may be helpful, they may not. Um, but this is, these are the three things Paul says. Because I have a new life now. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm a different, I'm a different being. I'm now a stranger and an alien on this earth. I have different. I, I have access to different motivations, different communications. I have access to the uh, to the platinum plan to to be well, to get whole, to be changed. God says, "Yeah, I, I will change you. You're predestined to be conformed to my image. Why wait till heaven? Let's start now, right?" And so, um, and so these things really then. Um, because I am his child, then with my freedom mindset, I turn toward God and the spirit Spirit is my focus. My spirit and the Holy Spirit are my focus. I learn inwardly that, that it, it's, like the, it's like the U.S. when they made the Louisiana Purchase and now there was like double the country out this way. When we're born again, there's like double the country on the inside. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. There's a spirit. I, what is that? It's like, I'm so used to just body and soul, body, soul, body, soul. And now there's the Louisiana Purchase Christ bought for us. The spirit side of me that's come alive. And now I've got to figure out what to do with that because it's not natural. It's supernatural, right? Secondly, if by that spirit, not, not by gritting teeth, not by, you know, so I was raised Catholic, not by going to confession, doing six Hail Marys and four Our Fathers. Okay, um, but if by the Spirit 
I'm putting to death. If, if you try to just lift a tree trunk out of the ground, you can't get it. But if you get a long steel rod and you go back here, you have leverage and it goes. That's what by the Spirit means is, is I get leverage to move stuff around in my life. God has given me leverage and it's, it's amazingly fast. It's amazingly powerful. Okay? And then the last thing is what Jen talked about last week. Who's here last week? Jen. Okay, good. Um, so then I have this connection with God in real time. So I have a real-time connection with God. So I was on the phone uh, Thursday, and it got kind of tense on the other end of the phone. And I just stopped, and I'm still sort of listening, but I'm sort of going, God, is there anything you want to share? Is there anything you want to show me about? And I'm just like, oh, wow. And so I, I begin to answer in a completely different tack than the conversation, going at the heart, what was going on behind the scenes, and it just lightened up. It just changed radically. At the end of the conversation, the guy literally said, I'm going to forgive those people. This is like a business guy who's been carrying this grudge for 15 years. I said, you were abused. There's no question. You were, you were beat up by everybody else in this group we're trying to put together to save water in Grand Valley, Colorado. But if you keep accusing people, they're going to look at you and resist. If you stop, they'll have to look in the mirror. He's like, I'm going to do it. He's done it. I mean, he's done it. And so everything came together. And it's like one bit of insight from God about behind the scenes. So when the woman asked him a spiritual question, the woman at the well, he says, I don't really care where you worship. I only care how you worship in spirit and in truth. And she goes, ha. Huh. And she goes back to town and says, this guy told me everything about me, right? And he operated, Jesus operated like we operate as a child of the king. He emptied himself, became filled with the spirit, and operated as a man in the earth, just like we can operate, okay? So those three things. Um, so this is very fast cruise through the last few weeks, and then we're gonna get right back to what Jen was talking about, and I wanna get feedback from that. We also talked about that there's three kinds of people. Paul talks about three kinds of people. He says, <clears throat> You fight, you argue, because you are men of the flesh, and that word is sarkikos. You're driven by external drives, desires, angers, lusts. You're driven by that. We as Christians go, oh, no, that's not us. We are Bible memorizers. We are, you know, we, we've got seven steps to this and four things to that, and we've got eight ways to do this, and I'm studying the 365-day Bible, and blah, 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 like that. <clears throat> and Paul says... Um, he says, that's good, that's fine. But this, the natural man, the psychological man, cannot understand the things of the Spirit if he approaches them from a logic, psychological, knowledge-based approach. Paul literally says it's foolishness to him. It, it seems, it seems, may seem new agey or weird or... You figure out every kind of counterfeit Satan could come up with to, to make you not want to connect with God in the spirit. And, <clears throat> and he'll come up with every one of those to just fend us off. And the biggest one, especially for church people, is it just seems kind of foolish and kind of, you know. And Paul says that. He says, look, it is going to look foolish to the psychological man, the one who's driven by his mind and by logic, Let's just call those men. Okay, so it'll look foolish to them. 
But it says, but the, the pneumaticos man appraises, that is, assigns right value to everything. And yet no one can really assign right value to him. Okay, this is all in Corinthians. And so we talked about that, that we can live out of any of these, but God says we should live as spiritual men. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. So my body is, well, no, what our bodies drives, passions, uh, the five senses, and so on. The, the, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions, the thinker, the decider, and the feeler. <clears throat> okay? And so the thinker's like at the top if you're like digging down through a layer cake. The thinker's at the top, the decider's in the middle, the feeler's at the bottom, the decider has feelings and, and logic, and it's trying to decide between the inputs. At the very bottom of the soul is something called the heart, which we won't have time this semester to talk about. And underneath that is the spirit. And so the spirit is made up of intuition, um, conscience, and communion. It's made up, those are kind of, if you try to think of what are the three functions that happen deep inside of me, one is my conscience. I, it, Paul's, Paul says people know what's right or wrong even if they're not a believer because it's evident to them. It's evident inside of them. So I have a conscience, and I can rely on that conscience once I'm born again and I've cleansed myself. And um, intuition is God, God doesn't mind sharing information or truth with us, like on that phone call, because we're his kids. If he knows that we won't abuse that, but we'll use it for his kingdom, then he'll say to Paul, <coughs> A woman says, these men are, are sons of the living God. You know, they're, they're, they're prophets of the living God. Listen to them. And he says, come out of her in the name of Jesus, spirit of divination. And she goes mute instantly. And I'm thinking, well, she was saying the right thing. But Paul looked right through it and said, even the devil can speak truth for the purpose of a lie. That's what he did to Jesus, and that's what she was doing. So it's, how did he know that? Well the intuition on the inside. And then communion is what Jen talked about last week, which is this, this constant, <clears throat> I want to come to a place where I can close my eyes and shut out that screen and connect with God. So I'm on an airplane. I'm just, and I, I'm just, I, you know, for years I've, I've been practicing that, and now it's easy. Now it's just, and I can just go right here and be gone for 10 minutes. You know, it's, it's just like, because God is so good, he's an ever-present help in time of need. He's the best dad ever. The only thing the Holy Spirit cries out inside of us primarily is Abba. Call him Pops. Call him Pops. If you're uncomfortable saying, hey, Dad, I would love to pray a prayer. If I ever get asked to pray a prayer in front of the congregation, I'm going to go, hey, Pops. <laughs> I mean, Abba, just so we can be okay with that. But that's what he said. He said, he said if, you, if you feel like you can't be informal with me, then you don't know me well enough. You don't know me well enough if you don't feel that. Um, <clears throat> Paul is, or, or uh, Paul is, is just maybe Jude. Whoever wrote Jude is is just ranking out these people. And the final thing he says about them is, they're the ones who cause divisions. They're merely natural. They're merely soulish. That's like the biggest put down. He goes, they're just natural not having the spirit. They're just psychicoi, psychicos, not having the pneuma, not having the spirit. And he goes, that's the reason they're causing all these problems, is they're just natural. And you go, huh. So why are there divisions among us? 
is it not sin that's waging war against our members? You go, oh, so that's all about trying to figure out spiritual things logically. And I, the, the, the logic is the servant of the spirit, but if it tries to be the master, it's, it's like putting someone as the head of a company who has no business being the leader of the company, and they start making bad decisions. And they think really hard, and they're, they're, trying, they're trying to think, what would a real leader do? But they're, they're just not equipped for it. Our soul is not equipped to be the leader. It, it tries to make good decisions. It reads self-help books. It, it tries everything. But it can never be inspired <coughs> by God the way the Spirit can. It just can't. God is Spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him. In Psalm, you know, Psalm 375. Well, maybe, but they must worship him in spirit. If a song helps me connect to God, then it's a great song. If it doesn't, then it's just a song. <coughs> okay, I know I'm going kind of quick, but I'm hitting. So, so we talked about uh, two or three weeks ago. I had you close your eyes and 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 then feel, you know, feel the chair, feel your butt on the chair, feel, listen, and just. Just hear from this screen. And then I said, okay, stop there. Now, think about the best Thanksgiving dinner you've ever had. Just think about it. I mean, you can just see people kind of smile. And then I said, okay, now we're going to do math. Right? And I said, okay, 8 plus 2 divided by 5 is what? And I said, how many of you looked at the numbers when you did that? And how many of you just did the math and you, you didn't need to look at numbers? And I said, you know, that's kind of a left brain, right brain kind of a way that you approach your internal structure in some ways, right? And I said, okay, now you're on top of Mount Everest or you're on the moon. Just start bouncing on the moon. And people go, I, don't, I can't see God, I have no imagination. I'm like, close your eyes and bounce on the moon. Can you? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's easy. Okay, now the Lord is my shepherd. Go be with Jesus and let him be your shepherd. And that's kind of what Jen did last time. It's just like, oh, so... I, that's okay, I can, that's fine. He says, yeah. In fact, that's so fine that Paul, when he talks to the Ephesians, goes, look, if I just had one prayer for you, this is what it would be. And he repeats it twice in different ways. He goes, look, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened. What is that? So the eyes of your heart is another uh, phrase for your, your inner sight, your inner vision, your, your, we call it imagination, but we almost need a better word because... In our day and age, you go, oh, that's just your imagination. Oh, that's just your, you know, it's just like, it's like a put down. Whereas God goes, no, the imagination is the doorway to me. I can speak to you um, in any one of these. I can connect to you in any of these things. You can be walking in the woods and all of a sudden the sun comes through and you go, oh, God, you're so good. You know, it just, all of a sudden it has sauce on it and you just go, yeah, I, this is good. You know, he can't and he will. He's, he's, you know, he'll, he'll use everything. But this is the one that's the most flexible, is the most amenable to getting direct input, direct understanding, direct connection with God. The other ones are great too. And some people go, I'm closest to God when I'm in the mountains. And it's like, yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with any of that. God, God is no respecter of screens. But this one is when you're in the midst of a conversation, uh, Maybe a scripture verse might occur to you. You go, let me see, let me think of my memory verses. And you're trying to scroll through. Or you can say, Jesus, is there anything I need to know? Oh, see, and all of a sudden, uh, maybe that verse will pop. Jesus will go right to that verse, put it in your head, and show it to you in a brand new way. And you go, oh, 
then you know what to say all of a sudden. Why? Because I'm, I'm connected with the one who knows what to say. Right? And so I'm a lot wiser than I should be. Right? And then you quick write it down afterwards because you never thought of it before. You sounded really smart, but you know and God knows that wasn't you. You know, that was, that was God speaking through you. Jesus said to his disciples, when you stand before kings and princes, please don't rehearse. Remember those verses? Don't rehearse what you're going to say, because if you do, what? What would be the outcome if you rehearsed your speech? A speech. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would be, yeah, it'd be, it'd be fine, but you wouldn't be speaking words of life to the heart of the person you're talking to. And he said, it will be given to you in that moment what to say. And he said, look, that's how I want you to carry the gospel. You can rehearse four spiritual laws and all, that's fine, but when you talk to someone, I'm going to give you in the moment what you should say. I'm going to speak through you if you'll let me, and I'm going to do it right here. Okay? Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's... It's exciting, but yet it's uncomfortable because being raised more legalistically, you're almost taught that yes, God's there, He's working for you, but He's not directly right. impacting your life, or He's not directly, He's working through other means. Yeah. And we don't really go there. So when you say, Father, what are you trying to show me? And you're thinking, you're visualizing. That's great, but then you have these warning flags that go, and so was that really God? What's, uh -huh. what's happening? Uh, does this feel right? Am I? Yep. And you know? and actually, that's a really good point. And I think next week we're we're going to talk some about that, because because God says all of those things are true and walk with caution, right? Don't don't believe every prophetic word. Hold fast to that which is good, right? Don't speak anything that comes into your head. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And so so there's this there's this uncertainty but never risk if your heart just says, God, I'll, I'll only speak what you speak. What about, um, where does being prepared with your testimony fit into this? Yep, so um, Timothy, Paul says to Timothy, um, be a workman who can handle accurately the word of truth. Handling accurately the word of truth, so when Jesus is approached by Satan, he's quoting Deuteronomy, boom, 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 boom. Which is interesting, he's going to do it around him because he's about to take the land, right? And so so he, he's saying, it is written. And Jesus says, yes, but it's written. It is written. Yes, but it's written. And Satan goes, tried, didn't work. So I love to see, I mean, if you look at my Bible, you almost can't see the Bible behind the scribbling and the notes and underlining and margins and everything because I love the Word of God. But I don't depend on my understanding and memory I use that as a file cabinet that Holy Spirit can draw on any time. Even when you ask questions in class, that's what's happening. Bam, 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 stuff's popping up in me just like that, that thing. And I think that's how God wants us. He just wants us to be prepared with the Word. And, and our testimony, is it's us, so why not share it? You know? But you'll find that if ten people say, well, what was your story? You'll tell ten different stories that are all the same but different. Because each one will be heart-targeted to that person, and God will, God will show us people's hearts if our goal is the same as his goal, to change their hearts and transform their hearts. Then he'll, he'll let us see the inward motivation of people. He's not worried about us if we don't take advantage of it. He just isn't. Yeah, any other 
burning questions? Yeah. I, I just have, I had a talk I gave this week, this last week, and one thing that, I mean, I understand what you're saying about just let things come to you as you're talking, but this has helped me, and I, I don't know if it's, I, I just tell you what happens, is lots of times I like to get by myself, I know I'm going to give a talk, I want to get by myself, pray to leave me in what I need to say, and just sort of jot down mm -hmm. things, and then use that as a guide. Um, Absolutely. So, so let me let me make clear. I did this this morning. Okay. I mean, I put I, I knew what I was going to say. There's nothing wrong if you're giving a speech or talk. There's nothing wrong with that. What what what. Um, Jesus was saying to disciples is when you stand before kings and princes you don't know what's going to happen and you're not in charge so don't sit and try to rehearse when you don't control anything Okay, I'm sure when Paul gave the speech on Mars Hill in his mind he's thinking oh the, the I was going to say tomb of the unknown soldier but that's not what it is the, the unknown God and I'm sure Paul's saying oh yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's and, and He's kind of got a, a plan, a game plan. Nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying you should never prepare. I'm just saying um, if you depend on your preparations to get you through, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just had an image that came to my head. Yeah. Um, we follow the Jesus model. You know, it says the religious leaders were astonished at his understanding of the scriptures even at a young age. So this image uh, that came to my mind of being prepared but also relying on the Spirit is almost like an archer going into battle. Um, if you imagine that an archer has to have a quiver full of arrows, the arrows are like understanding the Scripture. Yeah. But you're not the archer, the Spirit is the archer. So the Spirit is what's firing those arrows and decides where that's going to go. Yeah. But, but an archer with no arrows is going to fire fire nothing. You might, you might, if someone needs guidance, for example, and say, well, I don't have any Scripture to rely on, but I'm going to let the Spirit talk. You might grab a roll of toilet paper, and it's not going to be pointed. Right. It's not going to be, or, or vice versa. If you have a quiver full of arrows but no archer, you have all this knowledge but no spirit to use it. So yeah. it's a father's thing pointly. So they're symbiotic. They, they go hand in hand. You need to, to know the Scripture but also rely on the Spirit to use that Scripture. Where yeah, it's, it's what I put my weight down on. Yeah. And so much of, of um, church life is, is us relying on people with, with lots of training and doctoral understandings to lead us to the Lord, or, or, or I feel sort of insecure because I don't have that, so really, how could I teach Sunday school? I mean, that goes through my head. It's like, well, you're an engineer. That's perfect for Sunday school teaching. You know, it's kind of like, no, it's not. Um, but yet, God says, that's fine, and study, and doctors, doctors are fine. But if that becomes what I rely on, if you look at data on people with doctoral degrees in Bible and, and their current trends in teaching, it's getting liberal, 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 away from God, away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ, to the social gospel, to LGBT. I was at a Methodist church in New Haven, Connecticut last week, and it was very interesting what we talked about, um, and the prayer. It was like an old ecclesiastical prayer that had all kinds of modern language in it. And, I, and it was like, it didn't offend me, um, but I also was like, yeah, how did we get there? You know, how did we get there? On the other hand, I love the heart 
the church was harboring a, uh, an, a uh, refugee who they wanted to deport, who'd been there 18 years, had three kids, a great job, started a company. They're trying to deport him, and it's like he's holed up in the church for now seven months, can't leave. Yeah, sanctuary, and I'm just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> you know? Anyway, um, let's, I want to get to, okay, so we also talked about this. So Jesus said, <clears throat> said, look, if you come to me and drink, then out of your belly, I know that's like a, an American-looking Jesus, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. <laughs> By this he spoke of the Spirit. So if you look at Ezekiel 47, for example, he talks about the river and he says, he says, there is a river flowing out of the temple, a trickle, and I was led, and then it was ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, chest deep, I couldn't swim in it. And then the man who's leading him, who's God, says, have you seen this in your life? In other words, have you seen this? Every place the river goes, there's life. It's almost sure that Jesus is talking about that when he refers here. And he says, out of, out of you will flow a river. Do you know how to honor that flow? Do you know how to dip into the river? It's there. I, I, the problem is not on the sending end. The problem is on us learning the ways of God, which are not the ways of man necessarily. Okay? I... Uh, I was at I was in Colorado last week and, and somebody had a sign in their cubicle and it said, I know the voices aren't real, but darn they have good ideas. <laughs> I thought, well, maybe they are real. Um, okay, last week Jen talked about connection. And um, <clears throat> she's uh, she is very good at uh, every time I thought, should I teach now Jen, can you show up? I'll be, I'll be gone conveniently and you come. Um, so, what I, I'm going to ask us some questions in just a minute. What time is it? Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. It is 1042 already. Um, <clears throat> so, he talked about this, um, abiding, and kind of asked these questions of ourselves, right? How do I get near? Do I know the way near to God? Do I, am I okay crying out, Abba, Father? Do I have a relationship where I can do that? Do I feel... Him calling me my child. Can I abide with God? She just asked those kinds of questions. And it was hard to sometimes. And she talked about also that if we write ourselves out of the scriptures that say there's a wedding feast and you didn't come. Or there's five wise virgins and maybe you're not one of them. If we write ourselves out of those scriptures, maybe we need to be a little careful writing ourselves out. Um, we talked about steps for drawing near. We talked about roadblocks. I love this one, arriving versus building capacity. I think if you focus on building capacity rather than arriving, that will be really key. Just say, Lord, I just want to build capacity to hear you. It's, I'm going to change over time. I'm going to make some mistakes, but I'm going to stay at it. Just like I'm going to build capacity to run a three-minute mile or build capacity to lift weights every morning or build capacity in math so I can do what, you know. And this is a capacity building thing where we're learning our spirit. We're learning the machinery of the spirit inside. And it's okay if we fumble around. It's okay if we make mistakes. It's like 
No one ever yelled at a baby for falling when they're learning to walk. They always pick up and say, awesome, two steps, three now, come on. Okay, and the baby's like, yeah. Okay, and that's how God wants us to be. He wants us to be like that child learning to walk, walk in the spirit. And if we stumble, fine. As long as we don't have this kind of arrogant attitude or, or fearful attitude, just stay in the middle and say, yeah, I'm, I'm learning the voice and the ways of God. It's not foreign, but it's also not me. It's just, it's really good, and I, I'm being drawn to it. Okay, I want to just ask, is there anything, when you talked about, when you think about Jen's time last week, number one, what was it that was really attractive to you about that? Was there any things that popped up to you that you said, I like this about that? What, what were the things that were attractive? Do you remember last week? I was going to break us up into groups, but obviously my timing is bad. So, um, Anything we got? I liked what she said about this or said about that. I know that was a whole week ago. Yeah. Just the uh, image of the shepherd and the sheep. Yeah. That you're the sheep and you're following him. And just the image that you're following that shepherd. And yeah. Yeah, I love that one too. Sometimes on an airplane, I'll just go back and just go through each verse and savor it like a sucking candy. Mm-hmm. And the Lord is my shepherd. And I just, okay, what is it? You know, I just go, Jesus, what does that mean to me right now? What does that mean in my marriage? What does that mean on this trip? Is there anything? I always ask two kinds of questions. Is there anything questions and would it be okay questions? All right, those are both really open-ended questions. So, is there anything you want to show me about my marriage? Is there anything you want to show me about the meeting today? Is there anything you want to show me about this vacation we're going on? Um, even in the midst of a phone call, you just go, little, little quick call to heaven. Is there anything you want to show me? I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. And you just kind of listen and just see what floats up out of your heart, out of your spirit. Okay? And would it be okay questions? Um, would it be okay if I sat with you, Father? Uh, I was praying with a woman yesterday, and she asked that question, and she just burst into laughter. Then she burst into tears, and I'm sitting there going, and Susan's sitting there, my wife, and we're just waiting and waiting. I finally said, what's going on? She goes, we're cuddling. And I was just like, don't let me bother you. You know, and she's just, she said, I've never felt close to God before. This instant, she moved some stuff out of the way, made room, and then, we just left her. We just left her, and she came out later and said, that was awesome. I'm just going to go do that some more today. Thanks. Bye. See you. We're like, okay, bye. We'll pack you lunch. So anyway. Um, what about it seemed hard or different from what you've been taught or even a bit scary? Were there some things there where you just kind of... I know it's, it might be scary to talk about scary things right now, but... Um, um, I mean, I listen to it, and there are a few things I would, ooh, yeah, that's a little scary for me, too. I mean, but it's good. And, yeah. Well, something that scared me, I mean, I mentioned my daughter saying, you know, I've got my room and I can't hear it. Raising my kids this way, it does sometimes seem scary to me, like, I don't know, I should just relax and trust that God's going to see them through this. It just wasn't how I was raised, yeah. and so... Building capacity, helping them build capacity. Yeah. It's kind of I would help with pictures, right? Um, it's really hard to get information out of God. I can't do it. <clears throat> but I can, I can say, is there anything, questions and, and things pop up? 
But if I say, God, what are the three things I need to know in this meeting today? <laughs> There's just nothing. I just, I can't do it. But if I ask for open-ended things, I get senses and idea, picture and understanding. Sometimes I just get this, I'll be there when it happens, watch. Watch this. Kind of like, watch this. And I just sit there and I'm watching. I'll say, whoa, that was a cool turn in this meeting. <clears throat> um, that was an interesting coincidence. Um, yeah. Anything else that seemed? Um, so with kids, um, I like pictures, helping helping them see pictures. Like do do the Lord's, you know, the the Psalm twenty three. Because kids just love crazy. So if you were a sheep, what would that look like? Okay, let's draw pic. You know, we draw pictures sometimes when we're with our grandkids, and they're like in it because it's fun. God will use God will use any well-intentioned effort to come near to him. It doesn't it kind of kind of doesn't matter. It's like the father-daughter wedding dance. It kind of doesn't matter how clumsy they are. It's the father-daughter wedding dance. You know, if they just do this, it's the father-daughter wedding dance. And I think God is like that with us. He's like, "I don't care if you know how to dance or not." Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes in in our um Tradition, I guess, of Church of Christ. You know, this this is so different than what we were taught. That you know, when something doesn't happen right away, when we don't have that picture, or we don't have that sense of God's presence, or whatever it is, we're too quick to let the enemy come in and say, "Well, it's not for me," yeah. or "I can't, I can't hear him," or "I can't." See. And that's that is not the Lord. The Lord yeah. wants us. If we if we think as parents how much we want our kids to communicate with us and yeah. tell us what's going on. And, and we're not near the parent who is. And so we need to remember that everything that is going on in our lives, he wants to be a part of. Yeah. And any of those negative thoughts that he's just not listening or I can't hear him, those are not from him. Yeah. I once somebody said to me, God said this to me when I said, I can't hear you yet. And God said, you're not special enough not to. I was like, oh, it's like, you're not unique. You're, all my children can hear me. Don't, uh, don't, don't worry about it. Um, okay, we need, to, we need to stop. But I, I want to encourage you that this isn't like a discipline. This is just a way to, to think about doing life. It's a way to think about walking with God. And, and I, just, I just want to encourage you to stay open to that. We're probably going to come back next week and, and kind of, kind of right-size hearing God a little bit so you can go, oh, so they didn't have it figured out in the New Testament either. Oh, what a relief, okay? Because they did a lot of stumbling around too. And that's, and that's fine. In fact, it's probably really fine. Um, yeah, so Lord, we want to know you. Just like Paul said, I count everything as loss that I might know you. Lord, that's who we are. We want to know you. We want to experience you. Um, you have said in you we live and move and have our being. That's what we want. We want to know what that looks like and feels like, God. Um, amen. Thank you.